You are listening to sound. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, their utterance to the ends of the world. In conjunction with AxeChristianity.com. City Forum with Timothy Moore. The place Portland goes for stimulating conversation. Rose City Forum. Uplifting, informative, and sometimes wacky. Here's Timo. All right. Praise God in heaven. We are so glad to be with you today. My name is David O'Brien, and I am being hosted by Timo today about my book, Return to Ex-Christianity, which the Lord put in my heart to write after many years seeking and living and trying to understand how to get what we see in the scripture into our world today. So thank you, Timo, for having me on. Really, really appreciate it again. Hey, uh, folks, Timo was, shall we say, indisposed. (laughs) You know, you're rattling the lock, it won't open. Like, oh, no, I'm going to miss my own show. Ah! Anyway, uh, we always do that new intro with a, and sometimes wacky, I guess that's true. Anyway, good to be with you, Mr. David O'Brien, and you are the author of Return to Acts Christianity, back for part three, which we promised we would do, so we had our part one, part two, we got about two-thirds of the way through the book, as it were, and we said we got to bring you back and do more, and so uh, here we are, and by the way, thanks for opening my show, man. Oh, absolutely, that was fun, that was fun. So see, you didn't know you have it in you, maybe I was testing you, you never know. Anyway, pretty funny stuff, but uh, welcome back to the studio, and we've got a lot to get to today, so I'm just going to jump right into it with you, and my first question to you, with a title like this, Return to Acts Christianity, the Reformation God and His people are yearning for beyond the walls of traditional church structure, I want to ask you first and foremost, for those that may not have heard the first two interviews, why this book... And why is returning to Acts Christianity important? But more specifically, David, is that I'd like to know, in your view, since you're saying we should return to something, where do you think the church has gotten off today? Yes. Thank you so much again for having me on the show. And uh, really, we got to thank God at all times for the Scripture, the fact that we have the Word of God and that we have the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is obviously a unique book. It uh, shows us how the early disciples, after Jesus left, how they lived Christianity and how they lived their lives and how they lived in community and how they reached the world. And it shows the opposition that they faced, and it shows how they beat that opposition. And uh, the reason that we've departed from it is because around 100 A.D., about 100 years after Jesus left, 70 years or so after the Lord Jesus left, Many changes began to occur, not on the outside, like in the book Acts, we see many attacks against Christianity that were overcome by the believers. Mm. But about 100 AD or so, there began, began to become changes from the inside. And what they did is they actually changed the structure of how Christianity was operated, and it became, became it actually created a situation later known as the Dark Ages, mm-hmm, after several right. centuries, Yes, in which... Not only was the gospel, the gospel was hidden and stifled, and then the people of God would not, did not do the works of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that they were actually mm-hmm. ordained and called to do. 
from the Lord himself, as we can see in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so the Great Commission, through this uh, unfortunate uh, attack against Christianity is what it really it is, the Great Commission was uh, stifled. And so that's why 2,000 years later, the gospel has not yet reached all the world. Mm-hmm. There are tribes, yes. there are peoples out there in various countries, and there are whole nations where there's very little Christianity. Many, many people have never heard about Jesus, never heard he died on the cross, never heard he rose, never heard they can have eternal life, never heard that there's a true God that they can worship. They don't have to worship the idols of wood, stone, gold, silver. Mm-hmm. And right. they're lost in darkness. Jesus said, go get them. And this is the challenge that exists to every generation since. But in order to do so, my what I'm saying is, and what the, I believe the Lord is saying, is that we need to get back to the purity of the Christianity Jesus himself set up, which we find in the book of Acts. Now, do you believe that that is because in that purity it becomes an attraction force, essentially? Well, I believe it gives us the freedom to operate as his body. And so I believe that the structure that you see in the book of Acts, because there was a structure to Christianity at the time, it was a, a much looser structure than what we have now, and it relied more on faith. And it was, for example, mm, the boundaries of right. a church were a lot more, things were a lot less humanly managed. The reliance was on is supposed to be on the Holy Spirit, and a lot of things are invisible that we rely on. You know, that, that's a very good point, because when you say that, they relied more on faith, and I want to unpack that a bit. And also, folks, I want to let you know that uh, David asked me before we came on the air if we could take callers today, and I told him, absolutely, he would like to engage with you, the listeners. And so you folks out there, if this is speaking to you and it's tugging at your heart or you have some thoughts you agree or disagree, pros or cons or whatever, feel free to call the show at 503-242-1330. That is 503 503- Zero three two four two one three three zero. If you're calling outside of the metro area and you are, say, even over the border there in Washington and you're in Vancouver, you can call 1-800-286-1330. That's 1-800-286-1330. That also works for any of you who are listening online and you may be way outside the metro area. And we know that you do listen here on the Internet at kkpz.com. Feel free to call that 800 number as well, 1-800-286-1330. The local number, 503-242-1330. Now, that question of faith and how they tended to operate in a larger capacity, as it were, what is the reason for that, and why do you think it's good for us to go back to it? Right. Well, uh, you know, when we're operating in faith, God is working with us. He's bearing the load. He's taking the burden. And so what we can do with God is 10,000, 10 billion, 10 trillion times greater than what we can do alone mm-hmm. on our own, yeah, trying to great grind point. out you know, yes. something that is in our mind as necessary to please God or help God. Or All right. Now, David, what I want to ask more specifically, though, is when people think of faith today, they yes. tend to frame it in as demonic deliverance or mm. healing gifts, mm. and, and uh, maybe they look ev- even through the prosperity doctrine. Oh, mm. God will provide for all my financial needs and make me wealthy and this and that, and, and some good and some bad and all of that. You and I both know, because we've been on the mission field, that in fact we see God deliver people from demons and heal and so on. 
So we both witnessed that. Yes. I know as well as your wife, Sonia, has witnessed that. So uh, with that in mind, I think this idea of faith as it relates in the first century, though, was a little different than only seeing those uh, more charismatic manifestations, as it were. So could you explain that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, It begins with the gospel. When we hear it, we're not just hearing the words of a man or the words of a philosopher. We're hearing God himself speak through the words of his servants, and it goes into our heart, creates a change. It puts faith in our heart, and that faith becomes really the fire that burns throughout our whole life that we can Mm -hmm. live by. Yes, It puts us into Christ. It gives us the relationship with him. It gives us, it's the foundation. It's the beginning. This is the faith of the gospel when we hear the good news and we recognize God's love. And that's the beginning. But then we're to live by faith, and we keep receiving faith. The more we continue to look into God's Word, He continues to fill our heart with it, and we're receiving faith. And then we can live out of that. The, what I love um, is the, the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And yes, I encourage oh, me too. Go right back to that. Love you know, it. Mm-hmm. Because it's got story after story, adventure after adventure of people living by faith. And one person's life may look completely different than another's. Absolutely. And so, but they're, each of them are relying on the God who called them, the God, our God. They're relying on our God. They have some sort of, they have, they have a, a, a glint, a light in their eye. They see his communication to them and they're following it. And it's creating these this great adventure that that is affecting people's lives out there. It's affecting right. the world. It's affecting us when we even read it thousands of years later. Well, so, and it's very powerful because even in that passage, which there's been some debate over who was the author of the book of Hebrews, but most scholars believe it was the Apostle Paul. The writing style is a little different, but they say it's contextually, it seems more in the way that he would speak. And he makes the point that all of the heroes of the faith, as it were, that are listed there in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says they looked forward to the promise that was coming. And what I explain to people all the time is that we are the ones looking backwards to the cross and to Jesus and, and all of that, and they were looking forward to the Messiah. And what's beautiful about it is that you have two dynamics. You have one, the people who were looking forward and did not see the promise, died without ever seeing it, but the Bible says they're saved because they believed. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that were with Jesus, and Jesus says, you're very blessed because you've been with me. But he says, blessed will be those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us mm-hmm. that are post you know, the ministry of Christ and the age of the church and so on. And it's just this beautiful continuum of... Everything you see from the birth of Adam, which I always tell people is really the real birth of the church, actually. (laughs) But, I mean, of course, the Bible speaks to Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. But as it continues to move forward, you just see this incredible unfolding work of God in the lives of men. And something that I also point out, David, is how every word spoken of the nation of Israel and those saints and uh, uh, folks mentioned, as, as you just said, in Acts chapter 11 it speaks of us the same way in the church. For example, First uh, Peter 2, 9, where it talks about a royal priesthood, and we're going to get into that in a, in a bit. But let me just move us forward a little bit here that since the head of the church, the one that we're really talking about here, the ones that people were looking to and the ones that looked back towards, is Jesus. Yes. You say in chapter 12, Jesus has a vision. 
for the church. Yes, and, I do. And, and I'd like you to explain what that grand vision is and why you think it's really important that we sort of hone in on that a bit. Yes, I believe that the Lord Jesus, being the head, has the great privilege of providing the vision for his church. And his vision is simple, and it's all-encompassing, and it's Mm all-inclusive. In other words, it involves every one of his body parts. He wants to be fully engaged in this world, doing what we have time, only a short time, to accomplish. And his vision is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in different ways, but it's the Great Commission in which he said, go into all the world, make disciples, that's students of him, Mm -hmm. in every nation, teaching them. And he also said in the book of Mark, go and proclaim the gospel, the good news to every creature, every person. So it it includes a 50% of evangelism and 50% of bodybuilding. I building like the that. body of Jesus I like Christ. That. Yeah. That's cool. And the amazing, the wonderful thing when we look in the book of Acts is we can trace and see, and the epistles, we can see how the early believers who feared the Lord, they feared God, they saw the Lord Jesus raised from the dead. We could see how they went about fulfilling his vision with unity, with all inclusion, everybody being a part, everyone having a place, everyone having things to do, mm. and so that everyone could live by faith, and it was an adventure in every single believer's yeah. life. And then let's pause on that for a moment. You just said every believer having something to do, a place. Yes. And, and an activity, something that's very active. And I think in today's mindset, there's a lot of passivity in the church today, and not as much of that sense that everyone can participate and be active. And so uh, when we come back from a break, I want to explore that with you a bit more. I think that is crucial today. I think getting outside the church, not being a pew warmer and all of those things, but folks, what I'm talking about here and what I believe our author is talking about goes way beyond the ideas of social justice and so on, that it's really talking about something deeply spiritual and really embracing the truth of the Word of God. Folks, when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity. Folks, I also want to bring to your attention that there is going to be a book giveaway, a part of this interview today during this hour, and we will tell you how to do that when we come back. And remember, if you want to call into the show today, you can do so by calling 503-242-1330 and talk directly with our author, David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity. We'll be back in a minute here on the Rose City Forum. KKPZ is always at your fingertips. Listen on your smartphone or tablet through the TuneIn Radio app. On the go, on vacation, at the office, or at home, you never have to miss a KKPZ program when you get the free TuneIn Radio app for your smartphone or tablet. Download it from the App Store or Google Play and stay connected with KKPZ wherever you are. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ, 1330 The Truth. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but in the studio, it's so delightful because we are here with David O'Brien, the author of Return to Acts Christianity, and I am opening up this segment because I decided, David, not to go anywhere so I wouldn't (laughs) miss it this time. Oh, you know what? It is live. It's not a recorded program. We can't edit anything out. It is just what it is. But it is good to have you here, my brother. Now, 
we were talking before the break about one of the aspects that we saw in the book of Acts was that everyone was participating in the process of the church. And yes. I'd like to, 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 well, let me, let me start by backing up just a little bit because you gave us a great history lesson, but I want to talk about the modern, postmodern church today and what do you see as one of the tenets of where we're getting off? I will just tell you that one of them that I see is the fact that we're not in the mindset of everybody's a, a participant. In the 20th century, really, more than anything, gave birth to an idea of the super pastor mm-hmm. and uh, people just sitting there and letting the pastor do everything. But, you know, Ephesians 4.11 says that the job of the apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, and evangelist is to equip the saints for works of service. Could you speak to that as well? Yeah, well, that verse itself it reveals that the saints are ministers because it says for works of service. And the word minister or ministry, it just means servant or service. That's mm-hmm. all that really actually means. So when we get back to the roots and the basics of what the Lord established for us to be doing at this time in history and this time in life between his first and second coming, mm-hmm. it includes every saint, every holy one, every disciple, ministering, serving. Now, that does not, that does not entitle fame and money. <laughs> it entitles getting your hands dirty and doing things that you may not even want to do in order to help other people more needy than yourself. And so mm-hmm. the wonderful thing is that this is the instincts to do this are already in on the inside of us. It's part of our spiritual DNA. And mm-hmm. we see this in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and this uh, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works that no man may boast. And we've focused on that verse, and we need to, but the next verse we can't forget. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk on them, Mm. on them Mm. like a path, if you look at the original. So he's given each of his people a role up to play. And because our, our, our view of church today and the traditions that have passed down to us is different than in the Scripture, therefore we, it's very hard for us to conceive of what roles even exist that everyone can do. Mm-hmm. Because in that sure. what we call a church meeting or service or mass, it is impossible for everyone to do something. It's impossible. You must have an audience, and it must be the majority. And so, But when we look in the book of Acts... And we look in the in the epistles to see snapshots of how those early ones did it. Mm-hmm. Sure, there yeah, no, basic. I love all that, and and the idea that we are holy people, a priesthood, that we are in fact workers, able and equipped to go out and do. You know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is the one who gives good gifts, right? Mm-hmm. And then He gives us the the fruit as well, the the ability yes. to be a loving individual, to be like Christ, to be gentle, to be patient, uh, long-suffering, all the things that go with it. And those are tremendous things that make the church attractive. So why do you suppose today we're actually embracing a world's way of doing things in some, what I believe is a misguided idea that it will reach people for Jesus? What do you think about that? Well, I really believe that the root of our problem begins with departing from Scripture. So if we go to the Scripture, we see the way that Jesus sent out the 70, sent out the 12, mm-hmm. equipped the people who he was training, and then the way that the others, the, uh, his early disciples, equipped the other disciples. We see that they gave them a supernatural ability and training and understanding on how 
to reach the world. Mm. It was never to yes. be done alone. It's never to be done as just a human trying to reach people like like someone in any other faith or religion, I should mm. say, would mm. do. You know, it mm. never was to be done like a uh, philosopher, you know, coming up with a new idea and just spreading it. No, 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 not even close. We're to rely on the head, the Lord Jesus, and he actually has strategies and he has great ability to do the impossible mm-hmm. and it that that it's supposed to accompany the preaching and spreading of the gospel now and, now just so we're clear f- though you're not saying that being a pastor quoting say a great leader somewhere as a reinforcement of a uh, of a biblical principle is a wrong idea correct no absolutely not i really believe that we need all of us to get this thing done to finish this great com- uh, commission we're going to need to be united, and that starts in the heart. It's mostly in the heart. Mm-hmm. But to rely on every one of the resources God gives, and he gives it through Jesus' body on earth, and that's all of us. Mm-hmm. And so we can quote each other, we can read our books, we can, you know, we need this fellowship of sharing with one another what God gives us in order to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And we need the Scripture, and the Scripture is our foundation. We test things by it. Now, I think you mentioned now, I, I realized that you didn't know I was going to ask this question. It's a little personal. Sure. But I believe that in some of our conversations, I recall that you mentioned in some churches that you've been a part of, you began to feel a bit empty, like something something's just not right here, you know. And I, I know that it was some of the journey that led you to why you wrote this book, but what were you feeling in those dynamics? Well, I believe that I felt the same as what uh, thousands or millions of Christians have felt as they've on the, they feel that they feel that something's missing within what we call church. And I wanted to know what that was, and I wanted to complete it in my life because I'd met Jesus when I when he brought me to himself. I met him, I got to know him, I found he's real deal. I mean, I love mm. this guy, I'll do mm. anything for him. Yes, and willing amazing. to die for him, willing to share with everybody I know, be rejected for him. That's that's how I entered Christianity. But yeah, then well, I, now I gotta intervene here because you just made a great statement. I also want to be rejected for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that the thing is, that is not an insignificant statement. That statement is pregnant with meaning because people, I think today, really struggle with the idea that oh, I will be judged if I stand on all the things that Jesus is about. And my brother, I've shared with people on this radio program and in our church and and all over the world when I preached and taught, you know, here's the thing about Jesus. Um, What he's about, we need to be about. What he was against, we need to be against. We need to remember there was a key word that was spoken about Jesus, and it was the idea of the scandal on, the rock of offense, that the, the very words of Jesus both in, in a paradox, save you if you fall on them like a rock. Cling to the rock, it saves you. But otherwise, the rock will fall on you and it will crush you. And today, people don't really would not say, oh, I'm, I'm willing to, to be loving like Jesus. I'm willing to, miracles, great, all about that. Uh, but take the criticism and be crushed. Um, not Well, I don't mean by Jesus, but I mean by the world's attack on you. But the thing is, Jesus said, are you willing? Because they they attacked me, they're going to attack you. And he loved us enough to tell us the truth. Yes. And, and so for you to say that, my brother, that's huge. Well, I thank God for it. And I tell you, I did not want to be rejected, that's for sure. But uh, the gospel itself attracts opposition. 
and the human beings are like a person drowning that you go to save. They might hit you in the in, yeah. the, in the eye with their wow. elbow. Elbow. Great point. And so, yeah, you, we, yeah. we will have to face rejection. Yeah, great point. Well, guess what, David? We've got a caller on the line. So, uh, hello there, caller. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, this is Seth from Portland. Hey, hey Fantastic, Seth. Seth. Well, what's your question for David O'Brien? Well, uh, I, I just wanted to make a statement. I've known David since we were about 10 years old. Well, my condolences, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we have tons of stories together, but That's talk right. about a genuine Christian. Talk about a genuine lover of the Lord. This is my brother David, all mm. the way. Amen. And he's been hands down one of my most faithful brothers in the Lord that I've ever known, uh, you know, professionally and or, you know, in, in just a personal relationship. He is the most upright and and, uh, and what I think to be a blessed Christian. When I think of a blessed man, I think of David. Wow, Seth, that's a blessing, man. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see that as well, Seth. You know, I haven't known David as long as you have, but I will say and affirm, my brother, that you are the genuine article, and that's why I wanted to bring you back now three times because it's just so engaging uh, Seth, let me tell you something, though. He turned red, and he's sweating now, which he, he doesn't do when he's around me. So <laughs> I don't turn red easily. I anyway, do <laughs> you have any more uh, that you want to say or share? Oh, I just I just love him to death. He is, he's my longest friend of all time and my close brother in the Lord and in life in general. I'm just uh, I'm anxious that he might move back to Portland, that he said something about that before. I'm anxious for that to happen. I'd love to yeah, and I'm, hang out with him on a daily basis. Amen. And I've, I've been uh, viewing what he's been doing uh, online, seeing some of the, the uh, healings that he's been a part of, and uh, it's just great stuff. We need to see more of that online, especially on Facebook and stuff when people are posting lots of negativity. It's great to see these uplifting stories that are happening by people that we know uh, because God doesn't just choose certain people to do stuff. He chooses all his children. That's right. So. Oh, that's terrific. Hey, Seth, if you don't mind and if you're willing, leave your contact information with Roger before you go because uh, I'd love to give you a call and see if you and I can hook up over a cup of coffee. That sounds like you live here in the metro area. Is that right? I live in the Portland area, yes. Terrific. So if you're willing, I'd love to do that. If not, that's fine. But uh, thanks for your call, Seth, and I'm glad that you've got a long-standing relationship with our brother here in studio. Oh, yeah, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All Thank right. You well, you have a great time. afternoon, man. All right. So, uh, hey, that was uh, that was cool, man. Seth, Seth says you're okay. You know, well, I said the same about him. <laughs> yeah, is that right? He's a genuine cool. article. Actually, he's an example to me of a person who's always been outside of his, the box, mm. and his parents also, not in the traditions of church, but yet have faith. And that faith has prevailed through difficulties in his mm. life. Yeah. And so the faith, because the Lord can't be beat. And so when someone's got faith, it doesn't matter if they're in the tradition of uh, what we call church or not. Amen. The Lord is right there with them, standing down the giants. Amen. So I've seen that in Seth. Yeah. Amen. Sounds like somebody I could learn from, actually. Uh, now, let me ask you then about the idea of what constitutes church. Yes. Okay, this you. is the big right. word. We throw it around a lot. Uh, but it's probably not a word that we specifically see in the Bible. 
But there is this word, and you can help me if I'm pronouncing it right or wrong here. I, I don't think I ever pronounce it correctly, but ecclesia or... It's ecclesia, sort of, ecclesia, ecclesia, that's the way ecclesia. I hear people say yeah, it. All right, yeah, so, yeah, know. same here. And uh, you say that the term is really not a religious one, but that it has a meaning that denotes the idea of church. Now, my understanding is even more specifically the called-out ones. What say you, my brother? Well, ecclesia literally means called out from a larger group. So mm-hmm. it's, it's speaking, first of all, of that fact that that's what the makeup of the word is itself. The use of the word includes, uh, I understand that in the Septuagint Bible, so it gets, when the, when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, before the, even the Lord Jesus came, they used that, that word to refer to assembly, the assembly of Moses, for example, in the wilderness. So it can be used just to mean in a, a large assembly. Of course, that, that was the kingdom of God at the time on mm-hmm. earth was what he was doing with Moses. Mm. But it also was used by the Roman and the Greek uh, empires to mean a governmental meeting, like a congress or a parliament. And so, at any rate, it is not, it, it's a, it got a political connotation to it. And so, when I look in scripture, I see that fitting very clear, closely with the Lord Jesus being the King of Kings mm-hmm. and the fact that He made us kings and priests, the fact yes. that we are royalty because we're seated with Him on His throne and we're His representation in the earth. So, we are His legislature on mm-hmm. earth. And that when we work, when we do his work by faith, when we're walking by faith and united, then he's working in this earth, and it's the kingdom of God working through us in great power, and it's to complete his vision, which is the Great Commission. Well, that's really a great explanation, and in fact, that's a perfect segue into our next segment, where I want to ask you about your chapter uh, 18 there, where you correlate the idea of evangelism is the way to legislature, you say, and I want you to unpack that concept a bit more when we come back. So, folks, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with David O'Brien, who is the author of Return to Acts Christianity. And the byline here is the Reformation God and His people are yearning for beyond the walls of traditional church structure with a wonderful picture of geese flying together in formation. And the last time you were here, you said that you put that there because... The way geese fly is that one takes the lead, then eventually moves to the back or the side, and another one takes the lead. And And you said it's a beautiful picture of the way the church should be. I love that, my brother. That is so awesome, because the days of the super pastor are over. They're just done. And that's a big statement from a guy who's just planted a church a year ago. I don't want to be a super pastor. So thank you for writing this book, because it's teaching me a lot, my brother. And you are very scholarly for a man who didn't go to Bible college, I got to tell you. It's awesome. All right, so folks, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we will continue our discussion with David O'Brien, his book, Return to Acts Christianity, right here on the Rose City Forum. Become a sponsor of the Rose City Forum. Call KKPZ right now at 503-242-1950. All right, so we've been talking with David O'Brien, who is the author of Return to Acts Christianity, and we went to the break talking about this idea of ecclesia or ecclesia or however you say the darn thing. You know what? I actually only got a C in Greek, by the way, my brother. <laughs> it's better than me, I think. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> and, of course, ecclesia, or however you say it, is the transliteration, but uh, does mean called out ones. And one of the verses that speaks to that is 1 Peter 2.9. I'm going to guess you have it memorized 
Would you say it for our listeners, my brother? I could try to do that. <laughs> well, I have it, it here right, in the book, right. just says, in case. <laughs> it says you're a royal people. I'm going to get the order wrong. Uh, you are a holy people. Yeah, right? chosen a generation. Priest, a chosen generation, a people called out to proclaim the, the praises of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, you're reading That's exactly you're right. Now, now yeah. the New King James, which I think uh, reads very well here, mm-hmm. but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special, special people. I love that, how that's framed out. That you may proclaim the praises of him who, quote, now, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what, folks? And David, I'll just tell you something. One of the beautiful things about being a Christian is that we get to help bring people out of the darkness. So when they're in the darkness, they don't even know they're in the darkness. We get to be a part of bringing them into the light. And then they see the truth and and realize, oh, I was in the darkness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my brother, you then go on to say that the called out ones, uh, chapter 18, you you talk about that, that evangelism is the way to the legislature. So let's first talk about what do you mean by legislature first and foremost, and then how do you see that that idea, as understood biblically, can be really engaged through our outreach and evangelism and being the people that are active in our mission? Well, the moment that you say the word church in an English-speaking context, uh, people, some people think of a building. Some people think of a meeting on a certain day of the week at a certain time. I think most of my listeners know what day of the week that is and what right. around what time. Yep, so exactly, it sure. proves my point. And some people think of it as the people of God, the body of Christ, as the scripture says. Mm-hmm. Other um, people scream when they hear it. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. church, so, that's the time. I'm running away. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, it brings up different ideas. But when I found out that the term in Greek carries a le- means legislature, mm or Congress, uh, or Parliament, I decided, why not call it what it actually means? Mm. So throughout the book, wow. after I introduced that, I call it the legislature, the Lord's legislature. Now, it's, it's interesting also that a legislature, there's only one person who can have a legislature, and that's a king. Right. And wow, great the Lord point. Jesus has a legislature purchased by his own blood. If anyone else say they have a legislature, their their terminology's off, or they're getting a little overpossessive, it, or it's a poor substitute or term for for them yeah. in terms of what they mean by it. Yeah, right, absolutely. It, yeah. So the ownership of the church, I think, is a key point to return to in scripture ah, that it belongs ah, to okay. God. All right. Now, I don't mean to keep stepping on your brother, <laughs> no, but you get right. man, I'm getting fired up because right. when you talk about ownership, oh mm-hmm. man. Dude, that's huge. You got to unpack that some more. Absolutely. So uh, we'll come back to the other question then. Or let's just keep moving. I yeah, got let's you. keep moving. So, yeah, ownership. Now, who owns the sheep? The Lord said to, to Peter, feed my sheep, mm-hmm. feed my lambs, because they belong to him. And one of the greatest verses, if you ever want to uh, look in the scripture to see what to return to, is in the book of Acts when... Uh, Paul meets with the elders of the legislature of Ephesus, and he specifically tells them several key points. But he calls the church at that time, the church, he refers to it as God's church, as Paul does throughout the scripture, and others do. And he said, which he purchased with his own blood. Mm -hmm. And so... When we start to understand what a church is, and, and that's what, was, what your question was, too, and I really want to talk about the legislature a little more. But mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the first things that we need to understand is who it belongs to. It cannot 
belonged to a man who did not die and shed his blood on the cross as a substitutionary sacrifice to save people and call them out of darkness into light. That's Jesus only. <laughs> it cannot belong Okay, that was a mouthful, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we get sometimes, I believe the devil set this up around 100 AD, and it continued on where you have what was in Scripture leaders within the church who were examples they were overseers watching everyone else do the work, and they were doing their job as well. And, and they were shepherds uh, caring for the sheep, making sure they get good food and, and watching out for wolves. But eventually, around the first century, uh, some of the false teachers that came in, as prophesied by throughout the New Testament that they would come, they came. And one of the things they did is they set up a leadership structure in which one guy was at the very top, and everyone was kind of his servant. And, it, and what morphed out of that was uh, a clergy laity distinction in which you have what we now even today call the clergy. And some people don't realize it's not even scriptural whatsoever. Mm. It's actually anti-scriptural because you have a specialized group of people who are supposedly the ones who minister. But we already read the verse earlier today. The cat's out of the box. We read the verse earlier today that the saints are to be ministering. There are those who equip. But if we don't go past equipping to the point where those who are supposedly being equipped are actually ministering, we actually weren't successful in our equipping. Well, let me let me just say here, David, that in Bible college, and most that I have known, they really teach this idea that that you have what's called a set man or the point guy, and that guy is, you know, the head priest mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. So that's how I've learned it, and they make a pretty compelling biblical argument for that, but... Uh, I, 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 you know, I guess what I'm saying is I need to understand this better myself because I think that there is something that has gotten off, and again, that led to the super pastor mentality. So when you say legislature, you really are saying that the Scripture is saying that is the people of God. The people of God, and it's a privilege to be in the legislature. You're not actually... No one is... Uh, born into the legislature, you must be born again into it. Mm -hmm. But a legislature, for example, in Rome or in Athens, if you look at the ancient legislatures that existed, there were conditions to be in those legislatures, and it was a privilege. Now, we, because of Jesus' sacrifice, because we are called out of darkness, we are automatically in his legislature. We automatically have a status as a ruler, as a king, as an authority in the kingdom of God for the earth, for others. And so... Yeah, that's, that's really what the legislature is about. And this uh, speaks to one understanding their position in Christ, yes? Yes, absolutely. It's in Christ. It's the fact that we're a part of him now, where it says bone of his, we're, we're of his body. You know, we're, we're connected so much so that we're seated, it says, with him on his throne spiritually mm-hmm. already by the grace of God given to us, and that this high position is to be worked out through each of us in our own spheres of influence and whatever spheres God gives us. And so this is what we need to return to as far as changing, bringing back the original structure of the Christianity. It will bring back the ability for each member to be that king, representative of Jesus Christ on earth, and to do, and it'll bring back all the gifts. All right. Now you are tying this word legislature to evangelism. Yes, yes. Explain, Let me explain, Let me explain, explain that, that right. a bit better. Right. Or not better, but I mean just more. Unpack it more. Absolutely. So we consider, okay, you've joined a church by maybe going into the doors. Now, first of all, let me say that I'm not against traditional churches. I'm for everything that's Jesus, everything that's gospel, everything that's moving forward in the kingdom of God. I'm 100% for it, and I'm humbled to be a part of it if I'm around it. I want it. You know, I want to be in it. And, but our traditional way of thinking of 
church is that you get in by attending a meeting and maybe going through a, a membership class. Mm. That may be true about uh, joining an organization. Maybe you could even call it a ministry. But when it comes to the church, Jesus's church, the legislature, you enter when someone leads you to Jesus. So evangelism actually brings people out of darkness into the marvelous light of God and into Jesus' body, wow. into the church. And wow. the body, the scripture says several times, is the church. That's so huge. You know, wow, you're blowing my mind, my brother, because in all my years of Bible college and education and Greek and Hebrew and all of those things, I actually would say I've never heard anybody frame it in like that. Wow. That's good. huge, man. That is so huge. Well, folks, uh, as you can see, this book isn't isn't light reading in one sense. It's very easy to read, very engaging, but also draws out some incredibly deep concepts like you just heard that evangelism is legislature and you are born into that legislature right away when you're born again. And it's not about, uh, okay, prove yourself. Now you become a member of the church and this and that. And we've really institutionalized a lot of those things. And I see that David is saying here, we can get back to some simplicity yes. that opens the doors to people being greater participants in the work of mission and ministry for Jesus. And David, I so appreciate that, my brother. Well, we're going to continue to talk about the book, Return to Act Christianity. The author is David O'Brien. He's in studio with us here, along with his very quiet wife, Sonia, sitting off in the corner. But if you want to call out real quick, Sonia, hi. You know. Hi. Yeah, there she is. See, she's not a figment of our imagination. She's really there. But we're going to continue our discussion with David O'Brien here on the Rose City Forum in a few minutes. The Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. Welcome back to the Rose City Forum, folks, where we are having a very engaging discussion with the author of Return to Act Christianity, David O'Brien. David, loving the book, man. There is so, so much depth that. here. Now, i got to ask you something that relates to, all right, people are they're born again, they come in the legislature, and then God calls some to areas of certain leadership. Yes. And from what I read in the book, it sounds like that you are believing that there are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and so on, shepherds, and so on. Let's unpack some terminology a little bit. From how you understand the word apostles, first of all, what is an apostle, and do you believe they exist today? Well, an apostle literally means a sent one, one who's sent out. And uh, they started with the 12 that Jesus chose by revelation. He spent all night on the mountain with the Father and came down and chose 12 to be his, who he would call apostles. He chose them out of his disciples. Mm -hmm. I believe personally that the highest calling is to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a student of Jesus, and uh, that being part of his body, there's nothing higher than that. But then there's different roles given. And so he chose some of the disciples to be apostles. Mm -hmm. And that was it was special. It, it is a blessing. It is something, a special calling, but it's not something to ever get proud about. It's never something that Peter could sit here and say, hey, I'm better than you about. In fact, if you look at the book of Second Peter chapter 1, he said, we've received a faith that's, or you've received a faith that's the same as ours, or as 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 good as ours, so to speak. So the reality is that these different things, apostleship, prophets, teachers, evangelists, that is listed in Ephesians 4, uh, 11, are gifts given, but they don't, they're not ego boosters. They're not supposed to be ego boosters. That's a great they're, point. Yeah. They're, uh, so, all right, so uh, apostle, uh, we have the first 12. And then if you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 
chapter is that? The chapter about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Well, let me that. let me let me just intervene real yeah. quick though. To uh, I want to clarify for people: there are people who believe there are no apostles today. That's one side of, of the church camp, and then there are others that are like, well, they there are there are apostles today, but they're not like the twelve, and so on, which were unique, and so on. Saw Jesus, then or they give the, the, these different criteria. Well, they saw Jesus, they heard Jesus, whatever. So they they put Paul in that category because Jesus spoke to him on the road to Damascus, you know, and all this stuff. But um, I, I think there is that purity, though, like you said, a sent one. Yeah. Or what I what I believe from what I've read in the Word of God, it's even more a father heart sort of that yes. you would see it as a person who is involved in the idea of helping to develop new churches and then provide them some guidance and and so on. Would you agree yes. with that uh, point? Uh, that's what I see in Scripture. I've, I've seen the same thing in Scripture also that it's a master builder. Paul called himself a master builder. He laid the foundation in Corinth with mm-hmm. the believers. So. We see the New Testament apostles going out to areas, they're pushing past the boundaries of where Christianity currently is. And in doing so, they are, you could say, the leader of that whole area because they're the first one there. They've got something and they're giving it. And it's their responsibility to not only preach the gospel like an evangelist, but to watch over the sheep like an elder and to raise them up. And we see Peter calling himself a co-elder or associate elder in the book of First Peter as mm-hmm. an apostle. So wow. it's very interesting to, 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 to explore all these. And, and the verse I was going to say is 1 Corinthians 15. If you look in there, you see Paul talk about various apostles beyond the 12. There was the 12. He mentioned James, the Lord's brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Jude. Yes, exactly. Jude is also called an apostle, the one who both wrote the book of Jude. He wasn't of the original 12. Mm-hmm. And so I, did a, I actually looked in and did a study of this and found... 24 plus, at least 24 people named as apostles in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Greek is obscured and it's they use a different Greek word instead of the word apostle to fit the current traditions that were in, in that day mm-hmm. to hide the idea mm-hmm. that there's more than just the 12. But there are the 12 don't exist anymore. They witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection. They were special. Paul was not of the 12. If you look in 1 Corinthians 15, he says about himself and he also says the 12. So he's not of the 12. Now, with, with regard to Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, I teach that, I call that the fivefold ministry, and I teach that there should be all five of those offices, for lack of a better way to put it, in the church. And uh, it sounds like you agree with that, and then you talk about shepherds. Let's unpack what that means as well, pastor, shepherd, or pastor, shepherd, teacher, and so on. Well, absolutely. That Ephesians chapter four is packed with life and 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 knowledge and understanding and wisdom. That you know, I I I don't feel that I'll ever get to the de- the depth of that. Every time I read it, you mm-hmm. know, it's full of all kinds of truth, and it shows how the body's supposed to. It says, build itself up in love, mm-hmm. and until right. we all reach full stature, and unity in the knowledge of Jesus Himself, and also in faith, you know, and not in doctrine, not in. Uh, you know, of course, it's in truth, but the unity is not in being in a denomination or setting up a new denomination that unifies. Organizations can help the gospel for sure, but the unity that we're looking for is is higher, and this is what God wants, and it's in Christ. So in Ephesians 4, I really encourage the listener to go back and just 
enjoy that uh, chapter. Read mm-hmm. it slowly. Mm-hmm. Look at it over and over and over because the truth in there is absolutely amazing. And one of the things is it says that the Lord, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And it says that he gave some. Actually, uh, it's funny. you got to look at the Greek, too, on this. He actually didn't say the word some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. It actually ah. says true apostles. Uh-huh. Just check it out, see if I'm Aye. right. It says true apostles. And after that, it doesn't have any word. It just says true apostles, evangelists, teachers, pastors, such and such. The word some was added in. But thank God anyway we have... It, well, it, well, but it seems to imply that then it isn't so much the exclusivity, but that it's really anybody can develop into those areas of giftedness. I'm coming to believe that, that this is, in fact, it said that he gave each of us, that we have grace, each of us has received grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Mm -hmm. And that gift, and then he said he went up on high and he sent these gifts down. And they are people, they, they show up in our lives, we notice, hey, I love to care for people, that's a shepherd, that's someone who watches out for someone and helps them find the right kind of food and avoid the wrong kind, and mm-hmm. watches out for the the snakes and the, the, the uh, wolves you yes. know, that are out there, and, yes. and helps unite them with others. And the shepherd is very different, I believe, than the traditional pastor, although there are some similarities. Mm-hmm. And I also have come to believe, um, actually pretty firmly, that uh, in my own heart, that elder is different than shepherd. Though elder, who is the leaders in a city, have a shepherding function to their calling, or to their, their job, they have, the Bible clearly says that elders are to over, are overseers, and they're called several times to shepherd. Mm. However, mm. I believe that a she, the gift of shepherd given by the Lord Jesus when he rose from the dead and he gives them to us today, he's still giving them till he comes back, apostle, mm. prophet, teacher, evangelist, shepherd, that this gift is something that you take with you wherever you go. You know, an elder may leave, an elder of Ephesus may leave Ephesus and go somewhere else. He's not an elder in that other city. You know, they may not know him at all, but he may carry the gift of shepherd in his heart and he will naturally care for the sheep. Where And a teacher also, it's a gift. These things are gifts. And, and I love what yes. you said, Timo, because I believe the Lord is really trying to push me in this direction to help me understand that these gifts are something that everyone can, can uh, they're actually there for everyone. They, these gifts are said to mature, help others to grow, to be equipped. Well, once you're equipped, you're supposed to equip others. Man, you you know, that statement, brother, is like literally an earthquake just shaking through the body of Christ. There are leaders out there going to be like, oh, no, I'm not. No, no, no. You know, because they don't want to give up their position of power or whatever. And it's not about giving something up. It's about simply releasing to others and raising them up and to equip them and encourage them to you can go, you can do this. And I, I love that, brother. The other thing I love about you, by the way, is that you said you were talking about reading Ephesians chapter four and you said enjoy. You mm-hmm. use the word enjoy. And you yes. know, most people I think often think of reading the Bible as it's work. Oh, I gotta study it. It's scholarship. They're like, oh, I gotta get into the Greek and the Hebrew and I want to be able to understand this. And you're just like, relax, man. Just read it and enjoy it. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful thing because the the scripture can be understood. God didn't make it to be so big and large that we can't know Him. He revealed Himself. Yes. And, you know, the idea of theology, as you know, is, is theos and then logos, and it's the teaching of God and His Word. I mean, it's not mm, hard yeah. to understand the Word of God if you relax 
and say, Lord, enlighten me to this understanding. Do proper scholarship, too. I believe that. You've done that with this book. But, uh, wow, well done, brother. It's awesome. Now, uh, we've only got a little bit of time here. To the pastors out there who are like you and me, saying, it can't be this way anymore, would you give them a final word of encouragement, how to begin to shift and move towards something new? Yes. Which is really something old. Yeah, (laughs) well put. It starts with our relationship with God. I really believe just as God's the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, it's impossible for us to advance in our Christian walk without him giving us further light. Mm-hmm. And he gives it to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And he, he's, he's not going to give us it all in one dose. He's not going to give us the big solution today. You know, he's going to give us a little bit and a little bit more. And so the fact that we can know something is wrong, that already shows God's working in our life. And it shows that something's not working. Now, before we go, you've also got a book giveaway today. Tell people about that. Yeah, well, we want to give one of our books away. I want to give this book, Return to Acts Christianity, away. Um, You can find it, by the way, at actschristianity.com. There's also a Kindle e-book on Amazon. Uh, But today we want to just give one away to whoever... uh, yeah, whoever right. asks. Terrific. Or and wh- uh, whoever it is that wins. I don't know how this works. Yeah, too. well, you know what? What we'll do, folks, is if you uh, call Roger, tell him you're interested in the book. We got one, so whoever calls first will be that guy. And that number is 503-242-1330, 503-242-1330. You will be the guy or the girl, <laughs> guy and gal, in this case, who can get the book if you call. We'll keep it here with Roger. Now, you'll have to come to the studio to pick it up. But that's what we'll do. Folks, if you missed any of that, uh, the addresses, where to find the book and all that, just write me at rcfhost at gmail.com. I'll get everything to you. David, Sonia, thank you for being here. The book, again, is called Return to Act Christianity. It's author David O'Brien. Dude, you really knocked it out of the park with this book. It's awesome. So thank you for being with us again for part three. Folks, tomorrow we've got James Autry coming into the studio, and we're going to talk about serving our neighbors and a few other things as well. And we're going to have a great discussion tomorrow. You don't want to miss that here on the Rose City Forum. Thanks for listening to the Rose City Forum with Timothy Moore. Keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at Rose City Forum. And join us each weekday from noon to one. The opinions and views heard today on the Rose City Forum were those of the hosts and guests and may not necessarily reflect the views of the Crawford Broadcasting Company, its ownership, management, or staff. Become a sponsor of the Rose City Forum. Call KKPZ right now at 503-242-1950.